O Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning and greetings this fine summer Sunday. I bear greetings on behalf of our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill. Greetings whether you are present here in the nave of Marsh Chapel, whether you are listening live at WBUR 90.9 FM, listening over the internet at WBUR.org, or listening later to the podcast at bu.edu chapel. My name is Brother Larry Whitney. I have the privilege of serving as University Chaplain for Community Life here at Marsh Chapel. I'm grateful for the leadership this morning of my colleagues and friends, Ms. Jessica Chica, Dr. Bin Song, Mr. Graylin Heidinger, Mr. Devin Harvin, Mr. Nicholas Rodriguez, and Ms. Dominique Chung in reading the service. Thanks also to the Marsh Chapel Choir under the direction of Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett and Mr. Justin Thomas Blackwell at the organ. Let us stand as we are able in the praise of God.
Let us pray. O God, your never-failing providence sets in order all things, both in heaven and earth. Put away from us, we entreat you, all hurtful things, and give us those things which are profitable for us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. God the Father forgives us in Christ and heals us by the Spirit. Let us therefore put away all anger and bitterness, all slander and malice, and confess our sins to God, our Redeemer, as the choir sings the Kyrie. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. 
A lesson from the first book of Kings, chapter eight, verses twenty-two to twenty-three and forty-one to forty-three. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all, assemb- all of the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands to the heavens. And he said, "O Lord God of Israel, there is no god like you in heaven, above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and steadfast love for your servants." Who walk before you with all their heart. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a distant land because of your name, for they shall hear of your great name, your mighty hand, and your outstretched arm. When a foreigner comes and prays towards this house, then hear in heaven your dwelling place, and do according to all that the foreigner calls to you, so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel, and so that they may know your name, that your name has been invoked on this house that I have built. The word of the Lord. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 96 with the Antiphon. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. 
of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. For he is revered above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before him all the earth. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri. Lord, who has formed me out of mud and has redeemed me through thy blood and sanctified me to do good, purge all my sins done heretofore, for I confess my heavy score, and I will strive to sin no more. Enrich my heart, mouth, hands in me, with faith, with hope, with charity, that I may run, rise, rest with thee. Amen. Please be seated. Last Sunday was Trinity Sunday, the day of the year when preachers are wont to tie themselves in knots, attempting to explain one of the naughtiest doctrines in the history of religion. How is it that three persons are one God? Today, a week later, we are at least one step removed from having to consider the arcane intricacies of God's life in Trinity. Instead, today, one week after Trinity Sunday and two weeks after Pentecost, we are moving back into ordinary time, that long slog through summer and autumn when we are less concerned with God in God's self and more concerned with God's life with us. In making this transition, I invite us this week to turn back to the vision of God's life in Trinity while moving forward into God's life with us by asking, so what? 
So what that God is one in three persons? So what that God is inherently relational? Where do we, human persons, you and I, fit into this three equals one equation? Alas, addressing this so what question requires decamping into an area of Christian thought that may actually be more arcane than the doctrine of the Trinity itself. Theosis, divinization, deification. The idea that humanity has the capacity, by God's grace, to participate in divine life arises biblically from Paul and from John. For Paul, across the aisle in stained glass over the lectern, humans are adopted by God to be joint heirs with Christ, are resurrected body and spirit, and with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. John, right next to Paul, in the window, puts the words in Jesus' own mouth as he defends himself from the charge of blasphemy. Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If those to whom the word of God came were called gods, and the scripture cannot be annulled, Can you say that the one whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world is blaspheming because I said, I am God's Son? The refrain was picked up in the early church. So, Irenaeus, if the word became a human, it was so humans may become gods. So, Clement of Alexandria, the word of God became a human so that you might learn from a human how to become a god. So Athanasius, watching us, over us here in stained glass, just as the Lord putting on the body became a human, so also we humans are both deified through his flesh and henceforth inherit everlasting life. So Augustine, also in stained glass. But the one that justifies also deifies, for by justifying that, that, one, that one makes sons of God. To make human beings gods, that one was made human who was God. This idea of theosis, of divinization, of deification, sounds like it must be heretical. And yet it is at the very heart of the promise of salvation. You and I and we and us, all of us, every one of us, may participate, may partake, may share in the commonwealth of the divine life by the grace of God. But how? How do we participate? How do we partake? How do we share? This is where things become difficult. Do we as human beings accomplish divinization? Is it a human work? Or is divinization something God does in us? If God does this work in us, how is it brought about? And how do we know if we are partakers in the divine life or not? 
There is no common Christian witness on these questions, and indeed it is precisely on matters of salvation and its accomplishment that churches most often divide. This morning I would like to suggest that it might not be possible to arrive at an adequate response to these questions relying solely upon the Christian witness. I suggest that we move further afield to consider wisdom from beyond the confessional boundaries of Christianity. We only need fear doing so if we want to insist that God is so small as to be constrained to a single book, a single concept, or a single institution. If not, we may instead move forward confident that all truth is God's truth, as the Holy Spirit of God leads us forward into the freedom of all truth. Let us consider, then, a passage from the Zhongyong, the Doctrine of the Mean, a chapter from the Liji, the Book of Rites, a classical Confucian text. My dear friend and colleague, Bin Song, is here to read the text in Chinese and in English. (laughs) 能尽人之性，则能尽物之性；能尽物之性，则可以淡天地之化育，可以淡天地之化育，则可以与天地参矣。Only those who are absolutely sincere can fully develop their nature. If they can fully develop their nature, they can then fully develop the nature. Of others. If they can fully develop the nature of others, they can then fully develop the nature of things. If they can fully develop the nature of things, they can then assist in the transforming and the nourishing process of heaven and earth. If they can assist in the transforming and the nourishing process of heaven and earth, they can thus form a trinity with the heaven and the earth. We hear in this text as well the prospect of human participation in Trinity, although it would be too much to claim that the Confucian and Christian trinities are in any way precise analogs. Instead, what is helpful here is that tracing back through all of the dependent clauses, the prospect of a human being, being forming a trinity with heaven and earth depends on the absolute sincerity of that individual. Sincerity is the translation most frequently employed for the Chinese word zheng, which has a rich set of resonances of meaning, including also truthfulness and realness. Sincerity for Confucians has a particular understanding having to do with restraint of the many competing desires that make up the self in order to arrive at a unified harmony among the desires and with the natural cosmic order. Sincerity has to do with according oneself with the mandate of heaven. Perhaps then a better translation of Cheng would be not so much sincerity as faithfulness. After all, faithfulness for Christians 
involves according oneself with the will, with the purposes, with the mandate of God. It is accomplished in many ways, in prayer, in spiritual discipline, in worship, in study, in sacrament, in service, and more. Most importantly, faithfulness is a partnership between God, whose will is made manifest, and we human beings who seek to accord ourselves with God. A wonderful example of this sort of faithfulness comes in the Gospel according to Luke. Another dear friend and colleague, Graylin Heidinger, reads to us from the seventh chapter of Luke, in Greek and in English, to remind us that Christian texts come to us no more in English than the Confucian text we heard earlier. Epide eplerosen panta ta remata autu, ais tas akoas tu lau, aiseothen ais kafarnuam, hekatantarku de tinos dulas kakos ekon emelan telutan, has en auto antimos, akusas de peri tu iesu, apostylen pros auton presbyterus ton Iudaion, eroton, auton, hapos elthon, diasose tan dulan autu, hoide pergenomenoi pros tan iesun, percalun auton, spudaios legantes, hati axias estin, ho perexi, tauto, agapa gar ta ethnos, hemon kai ten sunagogen, Autas okodomesen hemin. Hade Jesus eporueta sun autois. Hede de autu u macran. Apicantas apo teis oikias. Epemsen filius ha ekatantarkes legon auto. Curie me sculo. U gar hikanas emi hina hupo ten stegen mu aiseothes. Dio ude emautan exiosa pros se elthen. Al aipe logo kai ietheto ha pais mu. Kai gar ego anthropos emi hupo exusian tasomenos ekon hup emautan. Stratiotas kai lego tuto, poruethtai kai poruetai, kai alo, erku kai erktai, kai todulo mu, poiesan tuto, kai poiei, akusas de tauta, ha Iesus ethomasen auton kai strafais, to akaluthunti, auto aklo, ipen. Lego humin ude en to Israel, tosaten pisten huran, kai hupostrepsantes ais ton oikon, hoi hemthentes huran ton dulan hugianta. After Jesus had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, asking him to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, 
He is worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people, and it is he who built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them, but when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you. But only speak the word and let my servant be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, Go, and he goes. And to another, Come, and he comes. And to my slave, Do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. Here we find a centurion, not an Israelite, a foreigner, who recognizes that Jesus is under the authority of God, whose will is in accord with the will of God, and so he seeks to accord his own will with Jesus' will, and thus with God's will. Jesus has a fully developed nature, and so can develop the nature of others. In this case, the centurion whose nature develops toward faithfulness in response. Meanwhile, Jesus is able to assist in the transforming and nourishing process of heaven and earth by healing the centurion's servant. Furthermore, Jesus remarks on the faithfulness of the centurion, indicating that the centurion himself is more in accord with the will of God than any he has met in Israel. It is the centurion and not the Israelites who is moving toward forming a trinity, toward being divinized into the divine life. The centurion has chosen partnership with God through partnership and trust, that is, through faithfulness with Jesus. What might it look like to form ourselves into a trinity with heaven and earth? into a partnership with the divine will and pattern offered for our divinization. Well, perhaps on this Memorial Day weekend, it might look something like the President of the United States of America traveling to Hiroshima, Japan, and declaring, 71 years ago, on a bright cloudless morning, death fell from the sky and the world was changed. A flash of light and a wall of fire destroyed a city and demonstrated that mankind possessed the means to destroy itself. Science allows us to communicate across the seas and fly above the clouds, to cure disease and understand the cosmos, but those same discoveries can be turned into ever more efficient killing machines. The wars of the modern age teach us this truth, Hiroshima teaches us this truth. Technological progress without an equivalent progress in human institutions can doom us. The scientific revolution that led to the splitting of an atom requires a moral revolution as well. Such a moral revolution cannot be divorced from divine will, from the pattern established by heaven and earth, As Dr. King reminds us, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. So too must we bend if we are to accord ourselves with the arc and participate in divine life. 
To be sure, we have among us those who would lead us, who think heaven and earth should bend toward them. This is not the path of faithfulness, leading to divinization, of forming a trinity with heaven and earth. Rather, faithfulness means responsibly attending to our obligations in life in light of the full range of realities of our present moment and attending to the common good for the sake of our common wealth. Faithfulness means socially responsible investing so that our livelihood is not at the expense of our neighbor, of future generations, and of the planet. Faithfulness means stepping up and stepping in of saying something and doing something when the inherent worth and dignity of any person is disparaged, denied, or denigrated. Faithfulness means establishing and nurturing common ground with the immigrant, the religious other, the disabled, the poor, the mentally ill, and anyone else our first inclination might be to avoid or ignore. Faithfulness looks a lot like the Gloucester Police Department reaching out and connecting drug addicts with treatment rather than shuttling them off to prison responsibility, and justice. Notably, faithfulness is not about belief. It is the confidence and trust of the centurion, not what the centurion believes, right or wrong, that are signs of his faithfulness, of his desire to accord his will with the will of God. Faithfulness is not believed, it is not known, it is not understood. Faithfulness is done, faithfulness is practiced, faithfulness is carried out, faithfulness is action. Is this works righteousness? No. The whole point is that faithfulness is activity in partnership with God, and it is this partnership that makes us participants and partakers in the divine life. In a moment, we will sing a setting of St. Patrick's Breastplate, a hymn declaring our intent to accord ourselves with the will of God, with the pattern and principle of heaven and earth. Celtic Christians had a profound sense of the presence of God, of their own participation as partakers in the divine life of divinization, of deification, of theosis, of forming a trinity with heaven and earth. As we sing, may we reclaim the promise of salvation that we too might partake in divinity and form a trinity with God. Amen.
Please be seated. We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. God of life, we praise you for your abiding presence from generation to generation, blessing your people, strengthening us to lives of service, empowering us to witness. Hear the prayers we offer on behalf of your creation. I will end each petition with, hear us, O God. The response is, your mercy is great. O God, Strengthen your church to do your work in the world. Remind us of your eternal presence so that we may share your peace and love with others. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Help us to maintain the balance of your creation by recognizing our interconnection with the entire earth. Enable us to recognize the ways that we create damage and give us hope to change our ways. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Draw leaders away from bitterness and into your ways of kindness and mercy. Replace blame and malice with forgiveness and justice. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Sustain all whose journey feels too hard to bear. Restore the hope of all who despair. Comfort those who are poor, oppressed, persecuted, or homeless. Heal the sick and comfort the grieving, especially those we remember this Memorial Day and those we name before you now. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Bless this congregation that we may continue in your service to the community of Boston University and the city of Boston. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Grant that as we serve you now on earth, so we may one day rejoice with all the saints in your kingdom of light and peace 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We welcome you again to the Nave of Marsh Chapel, whether you are here sitting with us in the pews, listening via radio waves, or the inter internet. Please know that you are a valued member of our community. For those of you here in the pews, we ask that you take a moment to fill out the red pads found along the center aisle of each pew. This will help us to get to know you better and for you to get to know one another better. Things have slowed down as we enter into summer mo mode here at Marsh Chapel, but we still have a few announcements for the month of June. We remind you that next week, next Sunday, is a Communion Sunday, um, and our monthly potluck luncheon will be following the service. On Sunday, June 12th, Dean Hill will be offering summer reading suggestions in his office at 9.45 a.m. before the service. Sunday, June 19th, there will be a Father's Day breakfast here from 9.45 a.m. until 11 a.m. in the Marsh Room. We ask that if you are interested in participating, that you please RSVP to Katie No in the main office. You can either email her at knoe at bu.edu or um, talk to her in the office after the service. Um, we ask that you do that by June 12th if you plan to attend. And then finally on June uh, 26th, we will hold a Families with Children pizza luncheon following the service at noon, and that will include a mini summer vacation Bible school. Uh, for any questions regarding these events, please contact Katie No in the office. Uh, she will have more information about them. For all other news and events at the chapel, please visit our website at bu.edu chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. Now, as the ushers wait upon us for the offering, let us remember that it is God's gift to be a giver.
Loving God, thank you for your continuous grace and the sending of your peace. We are grateful for your continually teach us through your merciful spirit. Enable us to live more like you and be more dedicated disciples. Help us to spread your light and your love. Use these offerings to strengthen and support the mission of this church and provide a place of faith and fellowship. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Dear friends, let us remember that life is short and we do not have too much time to gladden the hearts of those who walk the way with us. So be swift to love, make haste to be kind, and go out in faithfulness to form a trinity with heaven and earth. Amen.